Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we talk about what the definition of an inhibited muscle is. We talk about some conflicting advice with other um, clinicians. And then we talk about how you can start a website or maybe some tips that we would have liked to know when we were starting our websites. The Ask Mike Reynolds Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Randall Show. We're up here in Boston, Mass., at Champion PT and Performance. Lenny McCrina, Dan Pope, Dave Tilly's levitating right now. I love that. If you're just listening to us, he just somehow levitated. I like that. I hit my arms up. That's pretty good. He's a levitator. Um, we're here with uh, our student extraordinaires at Champion right now, Jojo Coplo from Stony Brook and Travis T-Bone Step from University of Kentucky. <laughs> let's, now, let's bust through this one. What do we got for questions? Uh, Matthew from Australia. Is there a difference between an inhibited muscle and a weak muscle? Inhibited versus weak muscle. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, right? Absolutely. Inhibited is like down-regulated because you had an injury or some sort of like acute episode. I'd say weak is like like structurally like can't lift load. Like chronically you know, not strong. Like, I could karate chop <laughs> Dan and he could get inhibited real quick or like, but like three weeks of not lifting one weight would be like you're weaker. I always I give this example too. Like you're running around the bases, you slide head first and you dislocate your shoulder. Like two seconds ago, you were really <laughs> yeah, strong. You were straight, yeah, and right now you're inhibited. <laughs> yeah. You know, so your cuff's not firing. So we know pain, inflammation, swelling, all these things inhibit the ability of the cuff to contract. Yeah. So I think the ability to produce force versus the ability to contract. Yeah. So right? also, on a similar note of semantics, wow. I hate when people are like, your glutes aren't firing. Like, they're, you don't have glutes that fire. Like, you do. They're there. They're just not what we want. They're probably just weak. You know I mean? That drives me nuts. Yeah, people yeah. are like, oh, I can't fire my left glute. And I'm like, like not at all. Like, you're just like laying on one side all day long. <laughs> I think they're just like not properly working. I can see that. Yeah, that's yeah. up there. That's, I think patients come to us a lot with that. Like, it comes to us a lot with all that stuff, or my low back. I just, you know, my my uh, sacrum is out. All those funky terms are out there, but I think it's us to just kind of set people straight. And I like to talk about pain science and and, and all that, not uh, not about inhibiting a muscle. Nice. All right. Silence. <laughs> T-bone. <laughs> Take it away, T-bone. Oh, yeah. That's going to be in line. Take it away. <laughs> Take it away, T-bone. The first world is SeaWorld. So as a student, I sometimes deal with patients who have been to many other healthcare professionals and have some prior experience with manual therapy and exercise. The fact that they have to go to so many different professionals already screams yellow flag. But can you guys provide practical tips on how one goes about making this patient trust your advice, although it may slightly conflict with what they have previously been told? In summary, how do you get your patient to respect your advice, although you may still be studying or young? That's a great, great two-part question, too, because we see a ton of people here at Champion that, that go to several other providers, even simultaneously. It's like their network of people that help them get through life, right, and optimize themselves and stuff. And I think you've got to be careful with that. I mean, I, I always, I, 
I've been in situations before where um, you know you, you you see some really bad advice or maybe even some things you think are not good or harmful for the person, and I've tried to kind of politely like interject and say like you know like I don't, maybe you shouldn't be doing A B C like I really think that this is what's going on, and you know oftentimes you know that person they've been seeing they have a better relationship with or more trust, and you actually end up losing them by trying to conflict on what they believe. So maybe we focus more on building trust over time and becoming their most trustworthy person. Otherwise, I think you really you, you may lose the person. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is a something important. Is I I'm really not a big fan of healthcare providers like chopping each other's knees out, you know, from each other. Like even if there is a difference of opinion, like I hate when people always like like oh like this person doesn't know what they're talking about, or, like this system doesn't work, or this one's the gold standard. Like all of us are still just in the process of learning and growing and figuring stuff out and like all of us probably have a lot of stuff we do that we think is good that maybe is not the best so when people come and I think that's the as a younger clinician you can't speak in absolutes you can't be like this is going to get you better if we do x y and z or like that doesn't work like Right. You know, it wasn't Charlie a really good quote with that. It's like nothing works for everybody, something like that. Yeah. I forget what it is, but I think like, that's a pretty famous up, quote. I mean, I like Charlie too, but that's, <laughs> that's a pretty famous quote. Sorry, I, mean, I heard it from Charlie. Love you, Charlie. So I think he's that, not uh, listening. <laughs> so I think that that's. I mean, I think all of us naturally kind of do it here. Is that we're always kind of like, yeah, like we think this is like the research suggests this, and this is what works for us. But like, we'll try some things, we'll tweak as we go, and you never like put somebody in a box like, like a pedestal. Right. Like it's gonna work. Right. You know. I like that. The other thing I think you guys miss is that you got to be an expert, you know, or a specialist. Like the reason why I think you guys are so successful is you guys know baseball so well, right? So when people come through the door, they're like, wow, you're doing a million more things than I used to do. This is crazy. You know, and the same thing with Dave. If Dave comes in, he knows so much about gymnastics. If I treat someone with gymnastics, it's going to look a lot different than Dave. And I'm going to be asking Dave a lot of questions, right? And I'll probably do a better job than maybe the majority of other physical therapists just because of that. If someone comes in specifically for CrossFit, I'm going to tell them a million different things they didn't hear before right. just because I've experienced that so many times. So what ends up happening is that twofold. For one, you might be given better advice just because you've had more experience. And two, you're going to really improve buy-in just because you know so much. Pattern right. too. Yeah. So uh, to summary, earn their trust first. Yeah. yeah. I think that's big. Nice. JoJo? Mike from Salt Lake City. What would be your advice to someone about starting their own website? What would be your Oof. first step, and what is your recommendation oh, for making it successful? That's I'm, I'm listening. Lenny? <laughs> I am listening. Uh, Lenny, let's go to Lenny on this one. Because uh, the, the that's a big question. Because putting something together. So I want to hear my expert coworkers and friends. I mean, I, I super encourage everyone out there to start their own website. I always say I started my website for purely selfish reasons. It was just a way for me to articulate my thoughts and, and to push myself to continue learning. But that's not what you're looking for here. I mean, resources to Start your website. Heck, I'm, I'm I'm trying to think. This is like a big question. Like digital marketer. Yeah, di- well, digital marketer is good. You, that's not step one, though, that's bro. Oh, that's sorry, like step. Yeah. That's, that's like step one hundred in general. I mean, I, I if you're starting a website, I think I, I go to uh, Pat Pat Flynn from SmartPassiveIncome.com. I believe. I think he actually has like some things like you know, click here to you know for help starting a blog, and he tells you about hosting and stuff like that. Like that's about that stuff. But that that's the technical stuff. Mm-hmm. I, the more important thing is don't start a blog. Like unless you want it to be your diary that you don't care if anybody reads it, don't. Len, 
if you, are you going to do a diary based oh, one? Diary so, um, <laughs> unless unless you want to do like a like a diary based one where you just put your thoughts on paper, if you actually want people to read it, I think the number one thing you got to do is you got to be consistent and you got to dedicate yourself to doing it. I see so many people bust through with like tons of great articles for like a month or two and then just fizzle off and die. And trust me, if I looked at my analytics from the first couple of months on my website, I don't even know why I continued doing it. I do. I did it for myself. But I mean, I remember when I hit like a hundred people, like a hundred people read my article. Now if there are a hundred people read my article, I'd be calling my hosting company and demanding a <laughs> refund on what the hell happened to my website, right? But like, like, so like, I, I, I mean, I would just say be, be prepared to be consistent. I agree, man. Um, I've been writing for like eight or nine years, and I think the biggest thing is that people just have to they have to fail a lot. They have to just go and do it. You know, I love it. That's the biggest thing. I see so many people are like, I want to make a product. You know, I want to do a website. I want to do this. I want to do that. I'm like, I have these ideas. I'm like, great, do it. Because I think right. what happens is that you learn so much just by trying. And the other thing is like, it's not going to be perfect. You just have to go and try. There's some better advice. Like, I don't know if you're gonna make a website and try to give just terrible advice, that's that's not great. So you try to steer some away from that. But if it's something that you're passionate about and you'd like to try, then I'd say just go for it. Right. Um, I use WordPress. Initially, yeah. I used a, a blogging website, and then I moved over to WordPress. Um, I find different themes, different templates. I'm constantly tweaking. I still don't know exactly what I accomplish with my site, but it's evolving. Um, just like you said, consistency and just yeah. go for it. I think big takeaway from what Dan just said right there is don't strive for perfection, just do. Yeah, yeah. And you'll, you'll, you'll make it up in the long run. But you get, if, if you're always striving for uh, perfection, you're going to have, what is it, paralysis by analysis? or now, Yeah, paralysis by analysis. You know what I mean? Like you're going to overanalyze it. You can't look at our websites and say like, well, I don't want to publish a post until it looks that pretty. I mean, we're, like, let me tell you, we're tweaking them daily <laughs> that's all we talk about constantly like, putting out fires or yeah, talking yeah. about whatever there's, there's so. a lot to it so yeah, yeah. Um, i'll just summarize kind of like what you guys said together but i think it's really important that you figure out why you want to have a website and what your goals are i think that is like you said there's so many people just jumping in like, like i want to make money i want to make a product i want to do this and it's like dude, you're doing it for the wrong reasons right and i don't think that it's gonna it's gonna accomplish a lot and you're not gonna stay motivated for right the reason we, to do it. none of us are doing this to make money exactly. we've been fortunate that we were able to monetize some of our stuff but heck we certainly didn't start this podcast as an example yeah. to make money I yeah. mean we're not making money off this like yeah. there's it's, to us it's just what we're passionate about and if you're passionate about it you will make money off it one day but that yeah. can't be your primary objective mine was 100% so. to just help so mine was just 100% to try to help the the sport of gymnastics and CrossFit and living with things to evolve with like some new ideas. Yeah, you gotta be passionate. So awesome. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Another great episode. Go to MikeRinald.com, click on that podcast link and ask away with some additional questions and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinald.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.